Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Next, on the OHIO Podcast, we play like it, don't like it with the Buckeyes who were drafted by their new NFL teams. We talk statues, and Eric interviews Penn State fan Kevin Egan. And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO, and welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from an absolutely gorgeous, and I mean gorgeous, North Central Ohio, Two Sundays in a row where we have beautiful weather, and I'm so thankful for that, where I am joined by my co-host today, Chris Wilds. Chris, please tell me you got to enjoy today. Oh, it was a wonderful day. You know, it's always good when you can open up the doors and windows. You don't have to have the heat going. You don't have to have the air going. Just open it up and let that nature come in for you. So, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we had a nice breeze from our front door to our sliding glass door going through today. It felt great. So just love, 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 love this kind of weather and looking forward to more of it for about the next four or five months here. So anyways, Chris, you know, who else has, has, has had themselves a good weekend? That would be the Buckeyes who got drafted. We're going to play like it, don't like it here in just a second. But first, if you're not satisfied with pickup games and unranked matches, chances are you're aiming higher than most. Aspire, you'll train to be the best. Whether you're drawn to the pool, track, map, basketball, quarter, gaming controller, we provide the training you need to achieve your dream. Make our facilities your home or take advantage of free transportation services. Are you ready to unlock your potential? Visit SpireCleveland.com today. All right, Chris, big weekend. I assume you were like me, glued to the TV, 
come Thursday night, Friday night, in the Saturday afternoon. I watched all seven rounds, not going to lie. I did fall asleep a little bit Saturday afternoon, dozed off a little bit. Um, but I saw every single one of our Buckeyes get drafted, and it was a lot of fun to do that. There were some prizes in there um, that, uh, quite frankly, I didn't see coming. But Let's yeah. play like it, don't like it, and let's start from the very beginning with the 10th pick overall going to the New York Jets. Uh, our our Garrett Wilson, our receiver, man, he's going to be a Jet. Chris, do you like it or don't like it, and why? Well, I'll tell you what. I love this pick. I predicted this pick. Yes, I predicted it at four instead of ten. But you know what? I absolutely, absolutely love this pick. The Jets, by the way, Eric, just on a side note, I think had the best draft top to bottom from of any team in the league. I know that that our, our friend Corey Johnson is just excited about that. Huge Jets fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it. I think that Wilson's going to be a great number one target for a very young quarterback. Uh, and Zach Wilson, uh, you know, the Jets did a lot to build this offense around him. They got him a little bit of line help. They got him some great, great targets and Garrett. Uh, and then, of course, they pulled um, Jeremy CJ. Yeah. Well, Jeremy well, they pulled CJ Uzuma over from the the Bengals, and then Rucker. And I'm going to get into that situation a little bit here when we talk about Rucker's draft. But uh, yeah, I think this was incredible. I think that the stupidest team in this draft. By far was the Falcons who let him slide past number eight. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what they were thinking when, when drafting uh, the kid from USC. I agree completely with you. Actually, everything you said, I I think the Jets probably had the best draft. I agree. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I, I it frustrates me about the NFL is if you are willing to invest a first round draft pick in a quarterback, you should be willing then to put the pieces around him. If you believed in him enough yes. to take him in the first round, then why aren't you putting pieces around him to help him succeed? There have been so many. I'm, and I'm looking at you, Chicago. OK, um, there have been so many times where they have uh, a quarterback has gone in the first round and then it's almost like you, you think is he superman like he's going to do this all on his own like you have to give him pieces and that's exactly what what the New York Jets did they have given Zach Wilson oh, pieces yeah. now if Zach Wilson doesn't succeed it's on him and the coaching staff right because the GM Absolutely. the GM and the owner uh, along with the coaching staff, they drafted for Zach Wilson, and it started with Garrett Wilson. I love it. I do love it. And I'll tell you the other reason why I love it. I think Garrett Wilson is going to be the early leader for possible rookie of the year on offense in the NFL because Wilson's mm-hmm. gonna. It's gonna be the Wilson to Wilson connection. Um, I, I just I foresee that happening. So Garrett Wilson goes number ten, followed quickly by. Chris Olave at number 11 to the Saints who trade up to get him. Um, by the way, as far as our predictions from from last week, uh, Chris, this one I, I I was I was I had the right round. I had the right uh, everything was right about this except I didn't have the right team. Uh, this is and, and if you recall, 
I even said I could see the Saints possibly drafting him. I just thought Green Bay would be that team that would want to trade up to get him. Instead, it was the Saints and and my sixth grade dance shirt, baby, is going down to New Orleans. Do you like it or you do you not like it? I love it. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, didn't I have him going to 19 to more New Orleans and our uh... I uh, I, I, let me I look thought real I fast. did. I think you might have. Let's let me let me look real fast here. I see. No, you had. Yes, you did. You had. Yeah. You had round one pick nineteen to New Orleans, which of course they traded up to get him. And you know what? Again, I love the pick. Uh, another team that had I thought a really good draft was the Saints. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a homer and I love our guys that are going there. Uh, you know. New Orleans is a great landing spot for this kid for several reasons. One, if they get back a physically and mentally strong Michael Thomas opposite this guy, they legitimately could have the best one-two punch in the NFL this season at receiver. They really could. Jameis Winston, and then much like you talked about with uh, Zach uh, Wilson, if he doesn't have a tremendous year this year, it is all on this kid because – they went out, they got him the best route runner in the draft, by far. You get a returning standout in Michael Thomas. You have a 2015 first-round pick in Kevin White, a great slot receiver in Traquan Smith. You know, you got a tight end room that's extremely talented, also featuring a former Buckeye in uh, Nick Vanette, but you got Mr. Everything, Taysom Hill, who's probably the, the number one at the, at the tight end position this year. I mean, this this year... Winston has to be an all-pro, given what they stacked around him. This lineup is just awesome. And if he does it, I believe they picked up Andy Dalton, too. Yes, I believe so. So, so if, if he falters, Andy Dalton, although he had a terrible year last year, Dalton did take Cincinnati to the playoffs multiple years. And he's, so, a, he's a capable quarterback. Is he yeah. going to win the game for you all the time? No. no. But he's probably not going to lose it for you very often. Right. All right, let's go to day two, rounds two through three. Uh, no one was drafted from Ohio State in round two. The Bengals had their chance. They were right. I was very upset by this one, Eric. Uh, and Nicholas Petit Frere goes round three, pick 69 to the Tennessee Titans. Do you love it or not love it for NPF? For NPF, I like it. I don't know that I love it. I like it. A little surprised he slid to the third. I thought somebody, specifically either Cincinnati or Buffalo, was going to take a shot on him late in the second round. Uh, I think Mike Grable may have gotten himself one of the steals of the draft here. Yeah. Uh, I think NPF's going to slide into the two deep right behind uh, Dylan uh, Reduns, who uh, was drafted last year at right tackle. But I think this is going to give him a lot of time to develop his game and still allow him to see some meaningful minutes on the field. I think for NPF, this is a good fit. Uh, Don't necessarily love the teams that passed him up. I thought they made a bad decision, but you know what? I like it for him. I love it for him. He, and I'll tell you why he loves it. He's all about this. NPF was thrilled to death to be going to Tennessee. I think that was one of the teams he actually wanted to go to. And so he's going to get that opportunity. And I think, like you, I think that might might have been the steal of the draft because I think NPF is probably no worse your your first 
probably your backup left or right tackle. And if anybody, either one of them gets hurt, he slides right in there. And I think NPF is going to have about a nine, 10 year career in the NFL where he's probably a starter for seven, eight years. Don't know that he'll ever be a pro bowler, maybe one or two seasons, but I think NPF is going to be one of those guys who has a nice long career. If he can just continue to maintain his body mass on that frame, I think he's going to have a, a, a chance to be, a, have a really long and successful career, which means dollar signs. So, uh, and then we get to the yeah. end of the third round, Chris, and my boy Jeremy Ruckard. Uh, you want to talk about someone who loves where he went? It's here. Oh, First pick in the third round to the New York Jets. Ruckard, do you love it or not love it? I love it for the Jets. I love it for Ruckert. Um, he, Ruckert grew up a Jets fan. I believe he was from what? Uh, was it Long Island, Staten Island? One of the Yeah, I think it was somewhere in Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, somewhere. But yeah, somewhere there. He, he grew up there. Yeah, went 101 third round. Um, he was the fifth pick for the for the Jets in the first three rounds. And Eric, I think they nailed it with all five. I really do. Um. You know, Rutgers going to be able to help in the run game, but more importantly, I think long-term he gives Zach Wilson a security blanket underneath who can also stretch the field. I think C.J. Uzuma, obviously, is the team's number one tight end coming into the season. But, you know, I think uh, Rutgers obviously is going to be that too deep on the chart. Uh, and I would not be surpri- surprised to see them run some old-school two tight end sets, given the versatility of both these guys. They can... They can really do a lot on the field from that tight end position. I stand corrected. He's from Lindenhurst, New York. Yeah. Lindenhurst, New York. So, yeah, he's he grew up a Jets fan. I love that picture of him with the Jets helmet as a little kiddo. And then uh, I love the reaction his dad had. His dad was pumped. Oh, man, he was going, wasn't he? This kind of reminds me of when, you know, you get the hometown kid who goes, I mean, the Cleveland's got a couple and the Bengals, you know, obviously have some. And when you, you know, when you get that hometown kid who's playing for his, the, the team he grew up cheering for, I love that story. That's what well, I'll tell you. I think the, be, the, the best similarity would be for anybody that saw the draft when LeBron was drafted. It was that kind of response. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. All right. Day, day three, round five. And this is, we're talking about Tyreek Smith. Now Tyreek Smith went round five, pick 158 to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Sammy and I both said fifth round. Um, You and uh, Jason both said fourth round. None of us got the team right. Uh, Do you love it or not love it for Tyreek Smith to the Hawks? I like it. Um, he went 159 in the fifth, like you said. Uh, I think he comes in. He's in the three deep at Leo coming in. Uh, you know, this is a team that's been going through some revamping, getting a little younger. Uh, Pete Carroll is a good defensive coach. Uh, I could really see uh, – I, I don't see him sliding in as a starter anytime soon. Given the tools, I do think he can crack the two deep uh, before the start of the season. Um, so I don't think it's a bad fit for him. I don't love it. Uh, I, I don't know that this is a good fit for Tyreek Smith. I mean, the dude, the dude was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He was very inconsistent in his career at Ohio State. 
I I would almost have much rather seen him go to Cleveland, to be honest with you. Well, I would have much rather seen that, but uh, go back to the hometown, get developed there. Um, but we'll see. I mean, obviously the jury's still out. I think the Seahawks have a lot of holes, and so that might lend him to have the opportunity to possibly see the field. But I think he needed to be in a situation where he's not going to be counted on so much where he can be developed over a season or two before he possibly can crack a starting lineup. But uh, we'll see. Um, Let's go ahead and go to the seventh round. Yeah, that's right. No one in the sixth. We go to the seventh round where Thayer Munford, and it was rumored he was climbing boards. Here he, he falls to the seventh round, pick number 238, to the Las Vegas Raiders. None of us called the round, the number, the team. We all struck out on this one. They're Mumford to the Raiders. Do you love it or not love it? I hate it for this kid. I hate it for him. This guy, no one has ever been hurt more, I don't think, by coming back for a senior season than Thayer Mumford was. I mean, let's let's be honest. He comes out after 2020, Eric. What is he? Second round, third at the worst. I can give you two names. One in this draft, I thought, might have been worse. But his situation might make it okay. But I'll tell you right now, Cardell Jones should have left after he won the national championship. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He really hurt his stock by coming back. And it was obvious that their Munford hurt his here as well. You're right. Well, and a guy we're going to talk about here in short, I think, did as well. Uh-huh. So – uh, Las Vegas Raiders seventh round. I don't love it for him as far as what he's going to receive in a paycheck for him. I think he's worth much more than that. But I will say this: I think Thayer Mumford is going to surprise him when he gets out there. I do too, and I think you know the one thing that's good is he did get that versatility of guard. And let me tell you, Eric, I think right now they're, they're a little little thin at the right guard position. I think he comes in as the three deep on the right guard. But you've got, I believe it's a, a second-year guy maybe there. And I'm not sure. And another rookie in the, in the lineup. And, mm. you know, he, he might have a chance to get into the two deep. Uh, right now, I think, uh, actually, I'm sorry, Jermaine Allenauer uh, Alan, Alan is out there at, at the right guard. Um, I, he's going to be the three deep, I think, behind him. I think he could slide up into the two deep. So those were the six guys drafted. Um, let's talk about Haskell the Rascal Garrett next. This one hurts, man. Goes undrafted. We all predicted fourth round. He didn't get drafted at all. But he does sign as an undrafted free agent to the Tennessee Titans. Um, I don't love it for the fact that he wasn't drafted, but I do love the fact he's going to Tennessee. I do Again, too. I think Haskell Garrett makes the roster, and is, I think he's playing this year. Well, let me tell you, this is a great fit for Haskell Garrett. One, you know, Vrabel's got those ties to Ohio State. He knows the types of players he's getting when they're coming out of Ohio State. Don't think he doesn't. And they are a team that is light along that defensive line. They're thin. Uh, and I think that Garrett, despite going undrafted, can not only have a shot to make this team, but I think he actually can see some significant playing time. Now, he's not going to be a starter, at least not this first year or two. But you know what? I could see him making this roster and getting some serious playing time. 
All right, moving along. He didn't get drafted. We all thought he would. You said sixth. I said seventh, talking about the running back, Master Teague the third. Uh, goes to Chicago as an undrafted free agent. Do you love that or not? If I'm Justin Fields, I want that guy standing in the back with me. He's a friggin' Mack truck. I want that guy standing back there blocking with me. But uh, I, I, you know, I don't like this as a landing spot for Teague for his sake. The reason being, this is a running back heavy team with a very average at best offensive line. And it's really kind of a poor offensive line. Um, he's not going to get a chance to run the ball much given the talent that's already there. And honestly, I, I don't know. Maybe he slides in on special teams, makes the makes the draft, maybe makes a practice squad, maybe gets plucked by another, another team from the practice squad. I don't know. I just don't feel that his best opportunity is with the Bears. All right. Next up is Chris Booker. Now, this one's This was a surprise. Me. Yeah. I didn't think he was going to go anywhere. Uh, neither did you. He got invited to try out for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. So Chris Booker to the Cardinals. Of course, you're going to love this. I mean, we didn't even think he would get an invitation, yeah. and he did. So I love it. Well, and let's face it. They, they got him for one reason, special teams. That is a team that is stacked at wide receiver with the trade for, uh, for, for Marquise Brown. You've already got DeAndre Hopkins. You've got A.J. Green out there. Uh, you know, this kid isn't going to get play, plenty of time at the wide receiver position, but he can go out there, and we've seen it. He can be a special teams beast. And there are guys in the, in, in the NFL who that is where they made their bones. That's where they made their money. They were just special teams specialists. And I think this kid could be a good one. Antoine Jackson, he also got an invitation for a tryout. And, Chris, this is where the the predictions were broke. So going into this one, we were tied at uh, 30 to 30, um, five points ahead of Sammy Poston and, and 10 points ahead of Jason. and. You said he would go to Dallas. I said and rightly guessed the New York Giants for Antoine Jackson. And I, yep. I came back and got you. Third ended up winning 40 to 35 for a third straight year. I win and keep a, keep a hold of my uh, of my autographs. But uh, how about Antoine Jackson to the New York Giants for a tryout? Do you love it, love it or not love this one? I love it only because I think the kid actually has a chance of making the team. New York has so many issues, so many holes, uh, and they're really going the opposite way of the Jets, where the Jets are really on the uptick and had a great draft. I didn't feel the Giants did, uh, you know, so I think there's opportunity. I love the fact he's going to get a shot. Yep, absolutely. Give it to him. I think he. I think he possibly makes the team. I really do. I do. Um, too. Uh, he. There's. A, there's a lot of talent there, um, and hopefully it goes well for him. All right, Demario McCall, undrafted, unsigned, and uninvited. Uh, surprised by that one, but I'll say this: if if anybody's paying attention to what's happening in the U.S. Uh, USFL, oh Johnny. Johnny Dixon is tearing it up, man. I threw three games. He's got 16 receptions, 165 yards, three touchdowns. 
if Demario McCall wants to go the route of Johnny Dixon and go to the USFL or the XFL or the uh, uh, Canadian Football League, I think there is, and I really think Demario McCall would would shine in the Canadian Football League, yes. given their rules and his speed. I think Demario McCall can make himself a career and still playing the game of football if he wants to, but I don't love the fact that he didn't get invited to at least try out. No, and that maybe that speaks to something that we don't know, Eric. I mean, True. That, ultimately, I think that's what it comes down to because he has so much athletic talent. I have a problem with the fact that he didn't at least get an invitation somewhere. Um, so I think that has to speak to something we may not know. Um, but you know what? I agree with you. I think that he goes on and maybe he gives a second chance at the NFL via you know, the X or the XFL or the USFL or the CFL. So yeah, I think Johnny Dixon is going to translate this season into getting an invitation to the, to somebody's roster. For, oh, I agree for, for the NFL. He is, he is just balling out right now. He's head and shoulders above a lot of the other talent that's in that league right now. So I absolutely give him that, uh, that opportunity, I would believe. So, all right. So let's turn the page on the NFL draft. Gosh, I, I watched, like I said, all seven rounds. I love it. Love the NFL draft, but uh, turn the page on to that, and let's get back into college football. Later on in this interview, I have or in this show, I have an interview with my buddy Kevin Egan. He's a Penn State fan. We got into the discussion of Joe Paterno and what the university there at Penn State has not done for the Paterno family in honoring uh, the great their greatest coach of all time. And this led me to put on a poll. For the podcast, do you think Penn State University should put Joe Paterno's statue back up? Your options were yes, put it back up. No, keep it locked away. Chris, what do you think? Well, I I think there's a couple different schools of thought, Eric. If you look at the guy from a coaching standpoint, 46 years all at Penn State as a head coach. 409 wins, 136, you know, losses, three ties. That's nearly a 75% winning percentage. Uh, you know, 37 bowl games, 24, 12, and one. That's a 662. Five undefeated seasons, two national titles. By the numbers, and really, really, let's face it, he put Penn State on the map as as far as football goes. So by the numbers. Yeah, he probably should be recognized as one of the top coaches in college football history. I mean, and you you said something about comparing him to Woody. Well, you know, Woody's got a higher percentage of uh, winning percentage. Joe Paul had more wins, obviously, because he coached longer. Uh, and But Woody had more championships. By the numbers, Paterno, somewhat comparable. Off the field is a different story, yes. Both left under negative circumstance. Woody Hayes assaulted a student athlete from Clemson and it was a heinous act that was one worthy of the consequences he faced. On television. Yes. But in some, to some extent I looked at it as it's an altercation that never should have happened but it happened between two men. When you look at, and while it was a disturbing incident, I don't think that there's anything, whether you look at what happened with, at Ohio State with Woody, uh, with Trestle, with Urban, 
Nothing has ever disgraced a program, a school, or college athletics in general the way the Jerry Sandusky uh, scandal did up to that point. Uh, obviously, we have the new thing, uh, the, the thing here more recently with the uh, the Michigan State gymnastics coach, I believe it was. Uh, was it coach or was it an athletic or trainer? Trainer. Trainer, yes, not coach. I'm well, sorry. And then, and then you had the president of Michigan, and then you had yeah. you had a doctor for the University of Michigan as well, and then of course yep. there was the uh, athletic trainer slash doctor at Ohio State too. Exactly. This was this was systemic. Yes, uh, this was systemic, but these are the types of just heinous things that completely disgrace college athletics as a whole. Um. And this went on that we know of the reported period of time for over a decade. It it included at least eight underage boys over that decade, at least. You know, it it was brought to to Paterno's attention in 2011, according to reports. Brought to two other administrators, none of who did anything about this as far as getting the proper authorities involved. The FBI deemed this, or their investigator deemed this a cover-up, Eric. Uh, you know, now, we know how outspoken I've been against our own players and even against Jim Trestle for covering up. And that was nowhere near the magnitude of what happened at Penn State. I have absolutely, just, for me, there is no place for anyone who cheats the rules, but but we didn't just cheat the rules with Paterno. We we broke the law. Now, no, hold on. Jerry Sandusky broke the law. But in covering it up, so did Paterno. Yes, and he was – well, if it's proven that that is true, I still don't have any physical proof, and there's not been any proof given that that claim – is true, although some would argue with me that that the investigation showed that that it was it was a cover up. But Joe Paterno himself, and, and here's the thing, all right. I don't know Joe Paterno's state of mind when this was going on, and at the same token, I kind of I kind of give that same excuse to Woody Hayes. When he punched a player, a lot of people will tell you around Woody Hayes, he was dealing with early onset of dementia the last couple seasons he was coach. And and that can lead to outbursts where you're, you lose a little bit of control of, of what you're thinking and what you're doing. I don't know that Joe Paul at that moment in time, Chris, was, was in his right mind. But are you saying for over a decade he was not in his right mind? Yes, I've watched Joe Paterno go downhill in the late 90s, Chris. Like, I don't I, know. I, I made the statement that they drug his carcass out on the field for about a decade too long. Did I not? You did. <laughs> Joe, like I just the, – the guy for the last four to five years at least, Chris, of his coaching, he had no idea what was being called on the sideline offensively or defensively. He was literally just a figurehead. And so it's hard for me to put in place on this man the the level of blame that a lot of people do. 
and I know that there's going to be a lot of people who disagree with me on that. Um, so, but that's where my stance is on it is the guy. I just don't know where he was at in his mental capacity in his head. Did he take this to the administrators and they're like, Joe, Joe, you don't need to worry about this. We're going to handle it. You know what I mean? Well, if you believe the reports that are out there, no. Now, are those 100 percent accurate? I can't speak to that. Okay, you brought up Trestle, which I think is a a decent comparison here. Do you put the blame on Trestle or do you put it on Geiger? Because I think Trestle fell on the sword for Andy Geiger. I don't disagree that Trestle fell on the sword, but you know what? It was his program, and if there was any hint of a cover-up for any period, he was involved with it or knew about it. There, There is an obligation to come forward and clear the air with it. I agree, and I just um, – what I'm telling you is I don't – I know he was trying to protect his kids. Don't yes. get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I, and, yeah. and you know what? And I have a little more leniency for somebody who was protecting the kids than somebody who was protecting the, the pervert. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Just well, call it what I, it is. No, I understand. I agree with you. But I'm just – what I'm telling you is I just don't know if Joe Paterno was in a place in his life where he was able to, to even be able to mentally take that stand at that moment is what I'm saying. I don't know. And I, I'm one of those people that doesn't want to – I don't want to point my finger at someone until I've walked a mile in their shoes, given Joe Paul's position here. But I'll say this. Jerry Sandusky deserves – he deserves to have it – Yeah, the worst possible – There is a special place in hell for creatures like that. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. But this isn't a discussion on him. This is a discussion on Joe Paterno. So – and and the statue that is – as you will learn in my interview with with, uh, Kevin is is locked away in some – undisclosed location so for me yes it should still be locked away okay i i don't i i can't i can't justify bringing it back now if okay there is there's an investigation and it shows okay he 100 percent did not know or he was 100 percent out of his mind and didn't have going with your mens rea argument didn't have the capacity to understand what was going on then maybe there's a reason to discuss bringing it back out. Yeah, but that'll never be proven at this point. Exactly. Is, is, is what so, is the, so the, the key the is lock it away. It. Yeah, and okay, so so we we went ahead and we pulled you all, the listeners, on our Facebook page. Seventy five percent of you say put it back up. Twenty five of you say keep it down and locked away. Um. So it's it's. It's it's I kind of surprisingly uh, to be honest with you that seventy five percent of you are are you know put it back up and that kind of leads us Chris to have another discussion here and that's the a talk about statues themselves on campuses there are some colleges that'll put a statue up for you basically winning six games okay but at Ohio State man there's not a lot of statues you have Woody Hayes outside outside of the whack right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Woody Hayes statue outside of one of the stores on Lane. Yeah, it was outside the. But, uh, but that is not a campus statue. That is not a Ohio correct. State statue. That is that's a privately owned statue. Um, so we can't even really count that one. Uh, there's Jesse Owens statue outside of the Jesse Owens <coughs> uh, track and field stadium, right? Yep. 
there's a Woody Hay or um, there's a um, Brutus statue outside of the shot. I also think there's a Brutus statue inside the shot as well. I believe so. So there's four. I can't think. I know there's a statue of one of the presidents from a long, long, long time ago. But just talking about the athletic statues, I can't think of another one. Is there any any other miss, missing? Is there a Jack Nicholas one inside his museum? Uh, I don't know for sure. I've, I've not been inside the museum yet. If I, not, there should be. Yeah, there should be. You're right. And maybe if you if you know, let us know. But I I haven't been inside the museum yet, so I don't know that there is one. But I know there's not one outside of the stadium. So we have basically two two figures that we know of for sure, Jesse Owens and Woody Hayes. Should there be another one? And if so, who? Well, I mean, for me, I could think of two that obviously jump into my mind. Yep, they probably the same ones I'm thinking of, same ones our listeners are thinking of. So go. One of them being Archie Griffin. Absolutely. The only two-time Heisman Trophy winner, right? And to this day, still a face of that university who you will find wandering the campus. And I also don't know that Archie's – has Archie dotted the I? I don't think he's dotted the I. I don't think yet. he has. That's got to happen. Yeah. And then the other one, and, and maybe it's a little bit of recency bias, Eric. I would not be upset to see them put one up of Dwayne. Really? Yes, just because let's let's face it, he had one of the most prolific seasons in college football. And really, he was that transformational cog in in Ryan Day's offense that I think kind of transitioned us to where we're at today with our our offense. He was that first really prolific passer. That's interesting. I didn't think about that one. Now, again, and given what has happened recently with his passing, I think it would be a fitting honor. It would definitely be. It would definitely be a fitting honor. Are, are the you know he, he wasn't a four year guy, so no. a lot of people may not may not agree with that. He wasn't a huge success in the pros, but he was just getting started. Yeah, I mean he'd been out there a couple years, but come on. He was on the Redskins. How much of a chance did he really have at that point? That was not a good team they built around him. All right. I've got another one for you. And this one would be outside of the Cavelli Center. How about Kyle Snyder? Yeah, I was thinking about that as well. Olympic gold champion in wrestling while he was still at Ohio State. I mean, in a lot of ways, he put Ohio State wrestling on the map. Um, that, that one I could see outside of the Cavelli center is, is Kyle yeah, Snyder. That, and of course, that if he doesn't have one already, Jack Nicholas needs one. Yeah. Yeah. Th- those it, would and, be the other ones. Outside. You know, I was discussing this question today with a friend of mine who had mentioned the idea of, well, what about urban? And I'm Gosh. like, no, 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 no. no, no he was one. a great coach. Uh, he was okay. a great coach. But at the same time, first of all, we definitely had scandal in the way he left. He may not have left under the pretense of scandal, but there was scandal. Not only that, you know, as great as he was for the period of time that he was, I, I, I'm not ready to put him down in the annals of the greatest Ohio State coaches of all time. Yeah, he's got 
multiple national championships. He's got multiple, well, you know, undefeated seasons, and he's done it with multiple teams. Um, it wasn't strictly Ohio State. I'm looking at the list right now of our coaches. Urban had 91 wins. His winning percentage sorry, 80, was among the 80, highest. 82, 82 wins. He, he coached 91 games, 82 wins, nine losses for a winning percentage of 901. He's the only coach ever to be that high. Yes. Uh, especially with that many games. But let's look at Trestle. 94 and 22. Had a national championship as well. As well. Won multiple awards uh, in 2002. And you know what, though? I would I would argue again before putting up the trophy or before putting up the statue, rather. We had a season where we had to forfeit victories. Because of a scandal that should come back. <laughs> you and I disagree on that. Eric, you, the rules were the rules when they when it happened. Right or wrong. And I'm not saying I agree with those rules that were in place, but they were in place and everybody knew them. If okay, here's here's one way outside the box. Paul Brown. First yeah. national championship coach at Ohio State is the father of the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals is basically father of football in the state of Ohio. And Ohio Stadium is the the hub of football in the state of Ohio. That one could almost be more more so of just football in general in Ohio. Uh, he only coached 27 games at Ohio State, was 18 and 8 at that time period for only a 685 winning percentage. But like I said, did have the first ever national championship in 1942. That one could almost be a celebration of football. And I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Would you say Paul Brown before you would say <coughs> Urban Meyer? Yes. Would you say Paul Brown before you would say Jim Tressel? Yes. Obviously, you're going to say Paul Brown then before Earl Bruce or John Cooper. Yes. Here's the question. All right. So obviously, I, I agree with you on this on those stances too because I don't. I would see. I would love, rather have Jim Trestle than I would Urban Meyer because. But you know me. I, I'm a I'm a Jim Trestle. I'm a sweater vest fan, man. Yeah. Throwing it out there, crazy prediction. Will the next statue at Ohio State for a coach Ryan Day be Ryan Day? Yes. Oh, you're going there. You're like, how confident are you on a scale well, of this zero is to one hundred percent? Let me say this: if his head coaching career at Ohio State exceeds ten years, meaning he doesn't walk away to the NFL, yes, I how would say. How many national it, championships will he have to win in that time period? Two? I would say two. Two national championships, over 100 wins, Ryan Day would get a statue. That's that's what you're saying it would have to be. At minimum, yes. And no no leaving the program under, under uh, you know, no, something under bad. under questionable circumstances, yeah. So there's your criteria. How confident on a scale of 0 to 100% are you that that's going to happen? 70%. 70%. That's yes. not bad. I was actually going to say I, I I would almost go higher. I think 75. Yeah. I think there's I think there's a 3 out of 4 chance that Ryan Day wins two national championships, coaches 10 years at Ohio State, 
and gets a statue outside of the outside of uh, the Woody Hayes Athletic Center or wherever. Yeah, I could see that. Beautiful, man. That that's pretty awesome. So so to reiterate, we think Ryan Day has the best chance of being the next coach to get a statue. We say uh, that uh, Snyder needs a, a statue outside the Cavelli Center. And if he doesn't have one already, Jack Nicholas needs a statue somewhere on campus, too. Absolutely. All right. It's a good conversation. Get Archie a statue for God's sake. That one needs to happen. All right. Archie needs to dot the I, and he needs a statue outside. And I'll tell you where it needs to be, too. I think it needs to be right outside of the north part of the stadium where they've got that art thing going on. That's I don't really know what it's supposed to be. Abstract art of some kind. Archie needs a statue out there. At worst case scenario, put him in front of the alumni house. He lives over there. There you go. There you go. I love it. That's a great conversation. All right, guys. Hang tight. We're going to be right back after this commercial break. I've got an interview with Kevin Egan, our Penn State fan. We're going to talk a little bit about Penn State as far as the offseason goes, what he's been up to. And like I said, we're going to have more talk about that, that statue of Joe Paul. And mysteriously, where that thing's hanging out somewhere on campus there at Penn State. So hang tight, everybody. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. And now I am joined by my good friend, former classmate, former teammate, and current college football enemy, but still friend, Kevin Egan. (laughs) Kevin, first off, congrats on winning our NCAA tournament bracket again. Two years in a row, dude. What's up with that, man? What's What's your secret, man? Uh, the funniest thing is, dude, the only college f- basketball I watch is Penn State. <laughs> that is, <laughs> hey, I don't know if you can call that college basketball, bro. Right. True. That's true. But I just wing it, and I don't know. I guess the Buckeye fans just don't know what they're talking about, I guess. Oh, here we go. It's starting early. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at there least you're you. in the tournament. <laughs> That's true. That's right. Well, I I don't know if you can really call what we've done in the last few years being in it, I guess, maybe, but one win. But anyways, man, so I, since you are a Penn State fan and I can't just send you all my great Ohio State stuff because that'll make you throw up. I told you since you won the tournament that you could tell everybody who listens to our podcast about what you do, man. And and how that you can help people who live in in Central Ohio. Okay, well I am a realtor with Real One uh, Realty, and I service all of Central Ohio. Um, I help sellers uh, capitalize on their, their equity that they have in their house, and I help buyers find their dream homes. Um, also help investors build their portfolios. Um, it's so all around. I do. Uh, I help anybody that needs anything in real estate. Um, I for sellers, I have an exclusive 10 day selling system, uh, which will as proven to get at least at 
one acceptable offer uh, within the first day, 10 days that uh, properties on the market, uh, usually resulting into multiple offer situations. Um, that's what my 10 day selling system gears towards is to get uh, into multiple offer situations. So I help people that way. And also I have some very exciting news uh, coming in May. Um, I can't give it away right now, but uh, you'll see it on my Facebook first off, Eric. And uh, and um, just say I'm growing. Very so good. We'll leave it at that right now. Well, I will say this, man. I, 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 I do follow you. I'm connected with you. You do sell like there have been multiple times where you've sold the house. Like I don't even think they were ready to sell yet. It's like, yeah, let's sell. And it's gone like that day. Yep. So, I mean, you do a phenomenal job of selling homes. I, I will attest to that. And uh, you're a go-getter, man. I know your work ethic uh, ever since we were kids. You were, you've been a winner, dude. So uh, I'm not surprised one bit that you're you're growing and becoming uh, a, a, just a dominant force in the real estate market. So if you live in central Ohio and you're in the market, how can they get a hold of you, my man? Uh, you can call me, text me at 740-814-2476, or you can reach me through email at kevin at eganrealestategroup.com, and that's E-G-A-N realestategroup.com. Beautiful. There you go. So this isn't a shameless plug. This is something that I, I asked him to do since he did kick my butt again so <laughs> let's uh, talk also, uh, yeah, if anybody's in the market right now i have a beautiful new listing in mount vernon okay. uh, 10419 pleasant valley road um road. if you, anybody's looking in the mount vernon area it's on over two acres um yeah check it out beautiful that's our hometown man yep so that being said you were born and raised in mount vernon ohio like me how did you become a Penn State fan, Kevin? It, actually, it started um, just watching football, and O.J. McDuffie was a wide receiver uh, for Penn State. And I he just caught my eye one game, and I was sitting there, and I'm like, man, I really like him. And started watching some Penn State games, and then I'd, I'd say it was probably a couple years later when the 94 season happened. Uh, with Kerry Collins and Kajana Carter and Kajana from being from Westerville. Yeah. Um, That's that team. I just watched every game and then my heart was just there. And then um, just for all what Penn State stood for um, everything too. So it just, I don't know. It just took my heart back in the nineties. Did did anybody was there anybody else in your family or anybody you knew kind of lead you in that direction too or was it just nope. just I mean rant just so completely random? Yep, every single person in my family is a Buckeye fan. Um, I'm just the oddball. So. <laughs> All right, so I ask everybody what does a Buckeye mean to you? I'm not going to ask you that question because I know you'll give me a very different answer <laughs> than most people. Um, and I did ask I did ask our mutual friend Sean what being a Michigan man was meant to him. So I'm going to ask you, what does being a Nittany Lion mean to you? Tradition, um, glory, pride, um, 
fighters. Uh, truly, right now, I'd say underdogs. Um, trying to get to where we want to be. Um, it's been a battle lately, but I really I think they'll get there. Okay. But tradition is the biggest thing. Tradition, mm-hmm. you know, the all white unis, you know, right. and the. I just can't explain it. When I see all white unis and the or the blue with the white, it just gives me goosebumps. I'm sure you know you guys get goosebumps when you see the Buckeyes come out of the tunnel. It's the same with me. So you know you mentioned tradition, and obviously Joe Paterno um, is is to you what Woody Hayes is to us. Yeah. And I know that ESPN just recently released that. Um, documentary on Joe Paterno and his legacy there with Penn State. I, I don't know if you got a chance to watch that or not. I'm not. Um, yeah, okay. I did. You know, I, it sounds like they were very um, – like they, they almost were like not trying to take a side. And, and, and I haven't watched either. I've just read articles on it. But I kind of interested in getting your take on – the university stance with Joe Paterno and kind of being hands off and not recognizing the fact that, I mean, he practically built Penn state. So, I mean, what, what is you in, in, as a fan, how do you perceive what Penn state, the university is doing and, and kind of shunning Paterno and his family? Um, I would like to, I guess right now I, we're in the, we're in a new age, you know, Penn state is under Franklin. It's, it's a new regime, regime, new everything. We're going, we're going his direction. Um, there are, you know, there's a lot of loyalists in Penn State, and um, a lot of people have turned their back on the university. You know, that has supported them in a long time. That's that's uh, part of our problem with the NIL. Um, but I still, Joe needs to be honored. Um, obviously, the you know 409. And wins and basically like you said building the school um i feel that they do need to honor him but not dwell on the on paterno anymore because that's behind us you know we're we've moved forward we're a totally different program um than we were then and yes i do think he should be honored but again i don't think we need to dwell on Paterno. I, I I personally don't believe there's no reason why they shouldn't put the statue back up. Right. It's actually funny. Uh, there's a post on, I don't know, one of my groups, somebody asking, you know, if they knew where the statue was. And it, it's like this biggest mystery, you know, <laughs> where is the statue? Nobody knows where it is. They, they took it down, hit it. And literally the, you know, the, the school, knows where it is, but they won't tell anybody. But, yes, I do believe the statue should be back. Yeah, and for anybody who listens to this who disagrees with that stance from from my perspective, imagine if they would remove Woody Hayes' statues. You would all go ballistic. So, I mean, you know, remove yourself for a minute and just put yourself in Kevin's shoes and and the rest of the fan base there in Happy Valley, and you would feel the same way. Let's 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 move our attention to the current team. You brought up James Franklin. Are you happy with uh, his new contract and the direction he's taking the program? I am so happy because now we have they've went out and hired a bunch of analysts. 
<laughs> just like Alabama, just like you guys. And, you know, going out and being able to spend big money and get Manny Diaz as a defensive coordinator, you know, it's already showing his contract is already helping. The, you know, cause the contract wasn't about James Franklin. It was about support for James Franklin. Mm-hmm. Um, and Penn State is – they're doing it. They're, you know, helping him out in every way possible. And I think we're getting closer to being on the even playing field um, with the big boys. So, And what's been the spring – what has been – what, what's it been like in Happy Valley this spring? I mean, I, I'll be honest, I haven't kept up. Um, with Penn State this year, I haven't really been on in the know. So, what's kind of been the storylines there, and and just the the pulse of the team this spring? Uh, the storyline, obviously, is, is what it is every year. We're, you know, offensive line. Uh, I think I've been saying it every year. Uh, this year, this year is going to be our year on the offensive line. We're going to get better. We're going to get better, and obviously, that hasn't happened. But we got some uh, young kids actually, uh, Tangwall. He's actually going to be left guard. I think he's just going to be a stud. We, I, I think we got some – we might actually actually have a two deep on our offensive line for the first time. Uh, so, with that, that you know, we had no running game at all last year. So, the offensive line has been the focus. Um, defense uh, – like, it, I don't know if you watch the spring game or not, but um, they did it differently this year. Uh, just did offense versus defense and some seven-on-seven seven, um, just to help protect the line, you know, from injuries and, and stuff like that. So, but um, on the defensive side, we're thin at the linebacker and defensive end. So just trying to find um, the replacements there at middle linebacker and our, I don't know what you would call it, but our third linebacker spot's like a hybrid, you know, it's more yeah. – safety, you know, linebacker. So that's, that's a battle to see where that's going to go. And uh, defense secondary is going to be good, uh, like always. But uh, I'd say the main stories are offensive line and who's going to step up on the defensive end and linebacker spots and uh, Manny Diaz to see how he's going to run the defense. Any controversy at the quarterback position? No. No. So I wasn't, I was re- ready to move on from Clifford uh, just because he's been there forever and it's time for new blood. But watching the spring game, I am happy he's back. Uh, if he, he, before he got hurt last year, he was playing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were playing well. So hopefully we, you know, he stays healthy. But this year we actually have a viable backup. Uh, I know last year when we talked, I, I said we had nothing behind us, and that proved to be true. It was very but, true. <laughs> yeah. But Roberson, he had, he transferred to UConn. Now, uh, Veyu, who came in and actually played well, um, he's going to be our backup now. And then, obviously, we have the, the number – depending on what recruiting site you follow, but the number one quarterback in the nation recruit uh, will probably be third string. Mm, okay so i mean I, we won't dive too much into the x's and o's and the, and the rosters and things we'll wait until we preview the season in late summer but and i wanted to just get on you and get you on here and again 
congratulations on winning the, the NCAA tournament bracket challenge from us again, Kevin. I swear next year you will not win. I will find, I will find a way, man. I will find a way. It's so funny because last year was the first time I've ever won one. <laughs> you um, put two in a row now. <laughs> yeah, I got my my daughter. She's nine. She filled her first her first one last year, and she was devastated because she picked UConn, and they got beat in the first round, and she was just devastated. And she, she's like, "You won." I'm like, "It took me like 30 years <laughs> to finally win it." So. Yeah, you know, good thing we weren't playing for money. <laughs> you you've been taking my cash. Uh, <laughs> But anyways, we're looking forward to having you back on, and and I want you to again, folks, if you if you need a realtor, this is my recommendation to you. Good friend of mine, he'll take care of you. He'll do your right. I promise you. Just tell him, hey, I'm one of those buck nuts that Eric sent uh, sent your way. So I'm sure he'd appreciate that. But uh, you know, Kevin, I I gotta ask one more question before we head out of here. And as a Penn State fan. I know you don't follow us as well as, as you're following your own team, but what scares you the most about this Buckeye team this season when we travel into into the the whiteout? I don't know. Like I said, I don't follow them. I just uh, – just, you guys always have a potent offense. That's, I get Every year that's what I'm more worried about is stopping your offense. Um, that's – yeah, every game I'm watching, I'm holding my breath when you guys have the ball. You know, just your offense has been unreal. And that offense is going to be good again, but there is there's one there's one thing all of us are scared about, and that is actually the depth on our offensive line. We've got a pretty good solid five, mm-hmm. but our two deep is not looking good right now. And it, it and during the spring game, it was evident they weren't good. Um. So that that's kind of our Achilles heel on offense. If there is one, if we suffer an injury or two on the offensive line, I don't know that we'll be able to, to, to pass block, to be honest with you. I still think we can be able to run block. I think that there's, that's been the emphasis this off season is, is run blocking and making sure that we are more balanced as an offense, but yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a little iffy in that too deep there on the offensive line, but all right, my man, that's all I got for you. Thanks again for jumping on here with me. And uh, this is always entertaining here at the end. Be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, OH! We are! Oh, Lord, I knew it. <laughs> Go, Bucks. Good night, everybody. Oh, come, let's sing, oh, praise. And songs through armor while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still summer's heat Oh, winter's cold, the seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Oh, hi.
Ohio. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.